with a closer look at the news and events affecting Prince George. Welcome to After 9 on 93.1 CFIS-FM. And it is a Tuesday morning. It's just after 9, which is about the time this show usually gets on the air. Uh, Alan Wishart, as usual, in the host chair. And I'm just sending out a quick note to our... uh, potential first guest who has not called in or who we could not get in touch with um and i just sent them a quick message asking if they could call us and i had to give the number because i'm not sure that she has called in before so i'm not sure what the situation is but uh the weather is cool yeah, Steve, if you want to, you can turn your mic on. It's on. Okay, I was Good morning, sure. Alan. Good morning, Steve. <laughs> Just, um, up. Okay, we've got a phone ringing, so with any luck, that is our first guest. And I'll make sure it is. And where were you hiding? Okay, it is our it is our guest. Steve is giving her a hard time. Yeah, now he's going to put her on hold, and then we will... Yeah. Okay, and on the phone now with Amy Cassie from the Canadian Cancer Society. And Amy, you've got an event coming up. I guess this is one of the first big events you guys have actually been able to run for the last few months. Yeah, we've um, obviously with all nonprofits and all events based, uh, we've gone through some massive changes. Um, but we were able to uh, piece together our Cops for Cancer Tour to North. So we will be running, uh, we hit the road on September 14th. Wow. And so we're really excited that we're able to bring it to life this year. Yeah, so now, for people who don't know, what is Tour to North? So Tour to North is, um, it's the RCMP and community riders and um, emergency services first responders that all do, um, that they all do a Peloton tour right. into um, different communities around the north. And we raise money for pediatric cancer research and Camp Good Times. And so this year, it's going to look very different because mm-hmm. obviously we can't have the big grouping that we typically have. Right. Um, so what we've done this year, the, the volunteer committee has worked so hard to figure out how we could pull this together. So we have uh, community riders spread out all throughout northern BC. So we have... Sorry, go ahead. No, no, I was, I, I was listening intently. <laughs> so we have, uh, like I was saying, we have community riders all across northern BC. And um, so what we're doing is our community riders are coming in. So they're going from their home community and riding into the next community. And it's going to be a relay-style tour. So we've got one peloton starting in Prince Rupert, another peloton starting in Fort St. John, and another peloton starting in Williams Lake. And all of these legs will relay style into Prince George on September 17th. And then on September 18th, we'll do a tour of Prince George with all of our Prince George riders. Wow. Yeah. So we've we've expanded the tour Mm -hmm. um, because we were just supposed to go from Williams Lake up to Prince Rupert this year. Right. So we've expanded, um, but we're we're keeping the logistics tight. Uh, We're keeping the groups. Um, under 10 riders mm-hmm. per leg of the tour. Um, so, yeah, so we're, we're pretty excited that we've been able to get really creative and bring it to life. So now, how many, because this is the Tour du North, so how many Cops for Cancer rides are there in B.C.? 
So in BC, there's a total of four rides. So there's Tour de North, mm-hmm. Tour de Valley, Tour de Coast, and then, of course, uh, Tour de Rock, which is the massive one on Vancouver Island, mm-hmm. where they cover off the whole island. Wow. And I'm, I'm going to take a wild guess here and say you've been in communication with them as to what they were doing. Are any of them going with the regular look, or have all of them had to do the same thing as you have? Everybody's had to do the same thing that we have and just get really creative. We are the only one that's really kept, um, um, that has expanded what we've typically done because the North is such a big territory to cover. um, And it saves us from having to bus riders into certain communities. um, And it allows us to have a footprint and a touch base with every community um, throughout the North with their community riders. So, you know, I really, that has been in a crazy year of 2020. Uh, this has really been a silver lining for us that um, that we've been able to, A, bring tour to life and also do it with a model that um, touches all of these northern communities. So then, uh, next question, I guess. Um, how many years is this now for Tour de, no- tour de North? So this is going into their 15th or 16th year. Wow. Um, and... So yeah, so we've we've um, worked really hard to bring it to life, and the committee has just gotten so creative. Um, as every every volunteer, every nonprofit, um, everyone has just had to get really creative this year. So you know, keeps us on our toes. <laughs> <laughs> so does this also mean? Because I know I've looked sometimes at the list of riders you had in previous years. Do you actually have riders from more communities then, because of the way you're doing it? We do. So last year we rode with, um, I think we had 12 riders on the road. Mm-hmm. Um, this year we've got 39 Oof. in total. So that's huge because we're, they're not having to take, like what was happening happening before is they were on the road for a week straight. Mm-hmm. And so this year they're only on the road for a day. Some of them are, are two, three days because they're doing multiple legs. Right. Um, but it's, we've been really able to adapt to it. So I think that has helped keep our rider numbers up. Yeah. This is one of the biggest years we've ever had with the number of riders. Um, and at a time that, that we we really need the support, all, all nonprofits are in that same boat of um, just the way that we've fundraised for a number of years is just drastically changing. So was this sort of the first new idea you guys came up with or were there some other ideas that you looked at and then said no that's just not going to work there was a couple of ideas that we came up with we had thought you know um should we look at doing something virtually should we look Mm -hmm. at doing um doing um our regular tour and just minimizing the amount of riders that we have on and then the committee just through conversation it was just thought no you know we've got a lot of riders why not use this as an opportunity to hit all the communities that we don't typically get to visit um, and hit all the schools that we can in northern BC. So when I say going to the schools, we're obviously not going in the schools. No. Um, in typical years, Cops for Cancer Tour de North would do presentations to schools um, in the gymnasiums. They would ride in, and it was this big, um, really energetic, um, very, very cool experience for the, for the students. This year, obviously, we can't do that, so we'll be doing ride-bys to schools. So um, riding by the school and having the students cheer them on as they ride by. Um, and then we've produced a video that will go into schools prior to us doing the ride-bys 
so students know what we're writing for and they have some working knowledge about the Cops for Cancer program. Um, so, yeah. yeah. And now it's called Cops for Cancer, but it's not all police officers, is it? No. I, that's a common misconception. It's not all our CMP. Um, it's also, we've got uh, emergency health services, um, ambulance. Uh, we've got community riders. Um, so we're really lucky with the support that we receive and the distance that we cover. Each leg of the tour each day, our shortest leg is 75 kilometers and our biggest leg is 186 kilometers. Wow. So we're covering a lot of territory. And I suppose there was a lot of people who said, I'll do one of the 75-kilometer legs. <laughs> you know what? They're all, all of our riders are so supportive. They're, they're saying, you know, if you need me on another leg, just let me know and I'll get my training in. So they train for this all year long. They fundraise. We have uh, fundraising expectations and they have to sign up and apply for positions on the team. Um, and so they do an incredible amount of fundraising. So we're just, we're really grateful for the support. Because I know most years, it seems to me, a lot of the years in the past, you had like maybe low 20s for the number of riders. I think some years you were saying you actually did have to trim a little bit. I'm guessing this year, anybody who wanted to basically is in. Yeah. So what we did this year is we had a set team and then and then um, March happened. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that got changed. Um, so what we ended up doing is we had some alumni riders from previous years that reached out that uh, want to ride with us. And so we said, absolutely, if you, you know, obviously fundraising, this is a fundraiser. And uh, we, we are funding pediatric cancer research, which is near and dear to all of our hearts. Yeah. Um, so because no kids should have to ever go through cancer. And so um, they said, absolutely, we'll fundraise. And so we let them on the team. And so we've kind of seen our numbers go up there, which is which is great. And who knows, this might be, um, the, you know, there's silver linings in, in this crazy year, and this might be one of them. So is this something where do you see yourself after the ride is over and you sit down with the rest of the team to sort of do the debriefing? Is this the sort of thing you could say, maybe not every year, but every few years, you might look at revisiting this idea? I think, you know, I think it's definitely something that committee has to sit back and look at and go, okay, did this work well? What worked well with this? Um, but I think, you know, I think there's definite opportunity and it's really neat that we're able to say that we're hitting most of the schools in northern BC um, and having all of these Pelotons ride into BC's northern capital. Although this year it's very small, um, the Pelotons that are riding in, in a regular year, that, that the optics of that could be very, very neat um, and could be a flagship for the North, which uh, I think we definitely see some promise there. Now, I'm trying to remember, has Prince George ever been the finish line, if you will, before? Because I know when it's doing the North-South, it goes Williams Lake to Fort St. John or the other way around. And when it's going east-west, it's usually been Prince George to Prince Rupert, right? Is this the first time yeah. Prince George has been the final spot? This, I believe in the very first um, years that, that Prince George was a final stop at one point. Mm. Uh, but this will be the first time that we've got all of these, um, all of these routes converging on Prince George. So, um, we, and we've totally flipped it. So, we, like you were saying, we typically go one direction. Yeah. Now we've flipped it on the riders and we're going in a completely new direction. <laughs> so, so the Rupert Run is completely different coming this way. Yeah. Um, but, again, the riders are, are doing um, one leg of the tour or two or three legs of the tour, and they've been training really hard, so they're ready for it. 
So on September the 17th, <coughs> excuse me, on September the 17th, I think you said that's the date that all three of the Pelotons finish. Are you trying to make sure that their finishing in Prince George is staggered so that all three of them don't show up at the same place at the same time, which would sort of defeat the whole purpose? So what we're trying to do is, so they will, um, each Peloton will ride into Prince George, mm-hmm. and then um, they will cover off a certain area of Prince George. And then on the 18th, uh-huh. um, depending on what numbers we've got, as long as uh, our numbers are under 10 for cyclists on the road, um, and we're still toying with what this could look like, but you'll see um, either a few Pelotons or a, a Peloton of 10 touring the city of Prince George, and they'll do ride-bys of all the schools, um, they'll also do uh, ride-bys of, of sponsors, mm-hmm. and then we'll be doing the wrap-up at Canadian Tire, who is our tour sponsor this year. So it may be a case, again, even of on the 18th, it may end up being a bit of a relay where you take, say, seven, eight, ten riders. They do part of the loop, then they pass off to another group of ten. Exactly. It could look very similar to that. Um we're still in the process of figuring out, okay, what is this going to look like? Because this is obviously very different for us. Um, but all of our supporters, all of our sponsors have just been so um, so wonderful to work with and so pleased that we're able to actually bring Tour to Life this year. Um, that it's been, how can we help? What can this look like? Okay, so now how can the average citizen on the street help? Where can they go for more information about Tour to North? Where can they go to make a donation? So every, everybody can visit copsforcancer.ca, and then you can see uh, Cops for Cancer Tour de North there. You can also find us on Facebook, Cops for Cancer Tour de North. Um, and again, all of the money that we raise goes strictly to pediatric cancer research and sending kids to Camp Good Times. Um, this year, Camp Good Times obviously looked very different because mm-hmm. we couldn't have the physical camp. So we did virtual camp for all kids that are currently going through cancer or have been through cancer. Um, and so it's really just a place for them to be kids and experience um, some wonderful memories together and build relationships with kids that are in similar circumstances. So it really is a wonderful program. And the team worked really hard this year to, yes, we can't have physical camp, but we're still going to make memories with, uh, with all of our campers. And we're going we're to do what we can. We have to get creative. And that's what they did. Amy Cassie, Canadian Cancer Society, talking about the Tour de North Cops for Cancer. Thank you very much for calling and bringing us up to date. Thanks, Alan. Take care. You too. Take a quick break, and we will be back with more after 9. Spruce City Men's Fastball is on 93.1 CFIS-FM. Tune in Thursday nights at 6.30 for the Game of the Week, live from Spruce City Stadium. It's the only action in town with doubleheaders Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday evenings at Carrie Jane Gray Park. And each week we'll get you up to date on league standings and stories. Brought to you in part by Forest Power Sports and A&D Power Equipment. Spruce City Men's Fastball, Thursday nights at 6.30, only here on 93.1 CFIS-FM. Has someone you know sent you advice from an unknown expert against coronavirus? Watch out. The expert may not be an authentic one. One way to manipulate information is through the use of a false expert who can add more credibility to the message. Always verify who that expert is and which organization they represent. During the COVID-19 outbreak, only trust official information sources and credible media outlets. Do not share unverified information. This is a message from UNESCO. 
The Elder Citizens Recreation Association is providing takeout lunches weekdays between 11.30 and 1. There is a different meal each day, and each meal is $6. Pie, when available, is $2.50, and you can get soup in a bun for $3. Frozen meals and soups are also available. Social distancing is in place, and masks are encouraged. Find the monthly menu on their Facebook page. Takeout lunches, available weekdays at the Elder Citizens Recreation Association on 10th Avenue between Vancouver and Winnipeg. Forecast from Environment Canada, a mix of sun and cloud today, a high of 19 with a high UV index. Tonight, partly cloudy, a 30% chance of showers overnight and a low of 9. For Wednesday, a mix of sun and cloud, a high of 19 with a high UV index. This is After 9 on Prince George's Community Station, 93.1 CFIS-FM. Well, it's near the end of the month and it's a Tuesday which means it's about time for us to get brought up to date on what's happening at the YMCA of Northern BC. Joined today, Stephanie Dial, the Director of Communications and Philanthropy. I think I got it right. You did. Good morning. Yay! So, I guess it's probably been a fairly quiet month over there, eh? <laughs> I don't think we have quiet months ever anymore. No, so, so what has happened in the last month in terms of um, what areas of the YMCA of Northern BC have reopened, how is the planning going for reopening other areas? Just bring us up to date. Yeah. Um, so a, a lot has been happening over summer. And, you know, August is always a really busy month for us because we get ready for September. Mm. And September kind of for all of our, our different departments and programs is always just full force. So from a health and fitness perspective, um, the facility, the Prince George Family Y facility is open. We opened back up on July 6th. So there are some, uh, you know, restrictions in place. So we've got lots of extra cleaning. Uh, we do have reduced hours that we're operating. The change rooms are closed. Uh, just in the last couple of weeks, however, we've reopened our child mining services as well as our children's rec programs. So we know that, you know, lots of members at the Prince George Family Y are, are just at their families, the families with young children. And that that's really been, uh, you know, it makes it challenging to come and take care of yourself and have your workout if you don't have those options for your children. So we're excited that they're back. So you can bring your kids down to child mining, down to the rec program, um, and, and do your own workout. And we're getting ready to launch uh, our group fitness classes again in September. So that's the other piece that I hear is, um, you know, normally we have over 100 fitness classes every week. And so there's a really strong group fitness following and, and so many choices for, for anyone to choose from. So we're really excited to be able to bring that back. Of course, there'll be a lot of COVID measures in place, um, but people are waiting for that. So if you're one of those people listening, uh, they are coming and stay tuned through our channel. Uh, we're looking for about mid-September, but we'll be announcing uh, exact dates and schedules and more details about that soon. So now, as things have been reopening, how are your clients, how are the people come in to say, use the fitness facilities that are open, how are they handling it? Are you having very many problems? Do you have to do much explaining to them about why a certain thing isn't available? I think people are, you know, really understanding. It's, um, you know, it's no secret or surprise that things are different everywhere you go. So people are really um, expecting of that, and and they think really well received. You know, you we want folks to be safe, 
and, and folks want to be safe. So when you see those measures in place, you know that it's for uh, your own safety. And, uh, and, oh, go ahead. Yeah, no, go ahead. And, and, our, and that's no different to, to anywhere. Um, you know, our child care, uh, our camps just finished their last day on Friday. Uh, child care is finishing up our emergency uh, temporary child care for the summer. So we're going back to full capacity for September. Um, there, you know, there are some spaces available and we are hiring in child care as well. So if you're someone who's uh, looking to work with children or looking for somewhere to work, maybe you're out of work from uh, other layoffs or, or those pieces still, we are looking for some amazing people to join our team this fall. And same with our community health program. So I was chatting with our director for community health yesterday, and she was just saying that, you know, a lot of folks just still kind of aren't aware that they're open, and, and they are, and they're there for support. And so, you know, our youth around print, yeah, uh, as well as Foundry, they're open for in-person support, and, and they're there for whatever youth needs, and we're just really encouraging people that if they need those services to come in and, um, and get them, they're, they're there, and that's why they're there. Now, I'm thinking with the fitness facility at the uh, Prince George YMCA, um, I think that's a spot that people can naturally assume you don't have to worry about wearing a mask. Because somehow I'm thinking if you're doing an, a workout and it's a good workout, you don't want a mask. <laughs> yes, uh, you do not have to wear a mask, at, you know, at, at least right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, we know that sometimes things do change. But there's, um, if you haven't been in the facility since we've reopened, I just really encourage folks to do that. Uh, you know, our staff would be happy to just give you a tour and, and walk you through the facility and talk about all the different things that have uh, changed. And, you know, the first thing you'd notice is, is just the amount of equipment that's been removed to support physical distancing. So, uh, it's, you know, I, I was really impressed. You'll, you'll see staff cleaning in any section. There's a, a, a max capacity for every section of the building. So, you don't have to worry about, you know, too many people. And you also don't have to book right now. So you can just, it's still like a, a drop-in. You come whenever you're ready. Um, and I can confidently say that you don't have to worry about, um, you know, there being too many people when you get there and getting turned away. That right now, uh, usage is, you know, still still small enough that we haven't come close to reaching our max capacity. So if you're thinking about coming and you're kind of like, that was like, oh, well, I just, you know, I'm not sure. I don't want to get there and then not be able to work out. Uh, I just really encourage you to still come, um, that there there's lots of space and availability to come and have your workout safely in any of the spaces that you would prefer. So the only thing that you might have is if you're the sort of person who likes to go in and maybe not do a full circuit in the fitness area, but you do like to work on a couple of different machines, one of the machines may not be available right away simply because that just happens to be a time where there's other people using it. Exactly. You know, and that could happen um, even when I, I dare say, you know, the word normal during normal mm-hmm. time. Okay. Um, Stephanie, we need to take a quick break. When we come back, going to talk some more about what's been happening at the YMCA of Northern BC after nine. UNBC summer camps are online this year. The UNBC Active Minds team has created three activity streams to keep children engaged, entertained, and educated. Check out activity clubs, themed online classes with fun interactive activities, Ask a Professor Fridays led by UNBC faculty members, and activity boxes with five themed boxes, each containing three experiments with detailed instructions. For more information or to register, visit unbc.ca slash youth. UNBC summer camps online this year through unbc.ca. 
The Prince George Bruce Kings are giving back with their buy one, gift one voucher promotion. Buy a $10 voucher for a Spruce Kings regular season game, and for each purchase, the Spruce Kings will gift a voucher to a local essential worker in thanks for their efforts. For full details on the Buy One, Gift One voucher promotion, visit sprucekings.bc.ca. The Buy One, Gift One voucher promotion from your Prince George Spruce Kings. Giving back to our local heroes. The Indigenous Sport, Physical Activity and Recreational Council is seeking a communications manager. Working as a member of a senior management team, the successful applicant will oversee iSparks Premier's awards for Indigenous youth excellence in sports, as well as the organization's communications and promotions. For full details or to apply, visit isparks.ca. That's I-S-P-A-R-C dot C-A. The Indigenous Sport, Physical Activity and Recreation Council looking for a communications manager. Application deadline is 5 p.m. Friday. Nominations are now open for the Premier's Awards for Indigenous Youth Excellence in Sport. The award provides a unique opportunity to celebrate the outstanding achievements of Indigenous athletes who excel in performance sport and who are using those experiences to shape their future. Full details and nomination forms are available through ispark.ca. That's I-S-P-A-R-C dot C-A. The Indigenous Sport, Physical Activity and Recreation Council Premier's Awards for Indigenous Youth Excellence in Sport. Nomination deadline is Thursday, September 24th. You're listening to After 9 on Prince George's Community Station, 93.1 CFIS-FM. So, Stephanie, you were saying that the emergency sort of preschool child care stuff that you had going for um, essential services workers, I believe it was basically, it's basically wrapping up now. So what's going to happen in September? Like, have you got your regular childcare, preschool, and what about after school? Yes, uh, great question. So that's exactly right. So um, probably about a couple of months ago now, the government announced that the emergency childcare would be ending at the end of August. Mm-hmm. And so, our, you know, our families are well aware, and a lot of our families are back. Some family situations have changed, but for us, it will be back to, uh, you know, operations as normal for childcare, and that includes, you know, our infant and toddler, three to five uh, preschool programs. There are still spaces in preschool for the fall and our after-school care. So I know that a lot of families are uh, just waiting to kind of hear where we land with the school district locally, which I, b- I believe is Wednesday or tomorrow, I guess. Um, but, you know, so those programs are there. So there are a few spaces in some of our programs. A lot of them um, are full. Uh, we've also, of course, got our transportation. That'll pick your children up at the school and take them uh, to the program, you know, kind of of your choice. So maybe you want them at a center that's a little bit closer to work because that's more convenient. Um, and so if you're, you're looking for after school care, there are a few spaces, and I encourage you to contact our team. Okay, so now, um, were you were your were your team members over the summer working with the childcare programs that were still in place? Were they able to use those as sort of? No, I want. I don't necessarily want to say testing ground, but as a way to make sure that the way you were doing things was going to work for when you get in September and things hopefully get busier. We were, uh, you know, less busy for a, a small period of time, but all our centers remained open, offering emergency childcare, and they've really been busy for um, quite a while now. And um, you know, I, I also don't like the, the term, uh, you know, testing. Yeah. I think that you know, as soon as things kind of um, took a turn per se, that you know, the health and safety of the children in our care and our staff was, was our number one priority. So that was. 
Um, that stuff rolls out really quickly, like immediately, actually. Um, and, and, you know, and, and was well thought out. And that's one of the great things about being a part of the why is that we have a connection to, you know, so many experts across the country that it really allows us in those situations to, to put our heads together and make sure that we've kind of got the, the best plan in place so that we can be confident that the children and families in our care can, can be confident coming to our programs and we know that they're safe. So I'm guessing over this summer you probably were on more Zoom meetings than you've ever been in your life. <laughs> Uh, I believe Zoom fatigue is real, <laughs> um, but uh, you know that that's okay. I feel like um, I just feel really fortunate that we've been able to offer the community all of the services that we have throughout the pandemic. And you know, I was chatting with someone the other day, and they were like, um, you know, kind of, what have you guys even been doing? Are you still like doing anything? And I'm like, yes, you know, we're we're still here. Uh, we're doing everything that we always do. And, uh, you know, just that reminder that, like, the why is a charity. And so, like, so many of the charities in our community, we just, we need support, you know, locally now more than ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we haven't stopped. We've been providing essential support, like I said, you know, community health, child care. Uh, for the time that the fitness facility was closed, we launched a virtual why, which is free, and it's still available. So, if you're, you know, you're still individuals that are at home and, uh, especially as we get into fall and things get like colder and maybe you're spending more time indoors, it's a great opportunity to you know find free workouts or activities with your family. And uh, we're just we're really asking people to just remember that we're here and to donate. Uh, you know whether that be five dollars or fifty dollars, every gift helps us continue to support our community. So I'm thinking in September, because you were saying a lot of the general community programs are starting up again as well. Are there some of them where the person who's running it is really looking and saying, actually, I think this we could do this by Zoom and it might actually work better? So some of our programs will continue virtually. Um, a lot of our youth service programs, so our youth works employment program, for example. And, you know, it's already an individualized program. So you have like one-on-one support to walk you through um, getting certifications and resume development and applying for jobs and career counseling. Uh, so I think it's pretty amazing that that's, you know, going to be continued to be offered online. You know, you literally don't even have to leave your house <laughs> to get those supports, which I think is pretty amazing. The other one is our Why Mind programs, our mindfulness support groups. So we have two streams. One is for teens and then the other one is for young adults, and they're for anyone with uh, mild or yeah, mild to moderate anxiety, and uh, it's you know it's also free. It's an eight-week course, and it's small groups. You're with about like eight other people virtually, mm-hmm. and it's all about um, you know learning mindfulness techniques to help you deal with like, the stresses of life. And we know that um, those those are even greater right now. And and the other piece is boundaries. So I mentioned that they are, you know, open in person, which is great. But if you're still not comfortable doing that, they are going to continue offering virtual counseling. Um, so you can do that through the phone uh, or virtually. So, again, you don't even have to leave your home. Um, if you're feeling like you need that support, it, it's free. It's, you know, for youth only, 12 to 24. And just really encouraging folks to take advantage of these services if you need them. So youth around Prince George and the Foundry are there links on your website to them rather than people having to f- try to figure out how to find them online if they want to do it that way? Yes, absolutely. So uh, the only thing you have to remember is our association website. So N as in Northern, 
nbc.ymca.ca uh, or our Facebook page, the YMCA of Northern BC. And from there, you will find the links to you know, any of the programs or services that I talked about today. Wow. And obviously, of course, all the uh, information on upcoming programs, when they're going to start going, as you get that information, because it sounds like some of the programs, you're still not absolutely sure when they're going to be starting. You're hoping mid-September, but you're not sure, right? Yeah, we haven't uh, publicized like exact dates mm-hmm. yet. Um, I think, again, just, you know, really the health and safety is the most important piece. So making sure that we've got plans that we're really confident in before we do that. Uh, it's, it's really easy to move forward, but it's not worth taking a chance to, you know, not know that we've done it at 150%. So those dates are coming as we continue to move forward. And uh, they're all shared, you know, pretty much in live time on our social media channels and our websites. Those are absolutely the best places to get the most up-to-date information at any point in time. So I guess the best thing for people to remember is you're moving forward. And as you say, it's fairly easy sometimes to decide you're going to move forward. But you got to do it slowly because it's a lot more difficult moving back if there's a problem. It is. And it's just not worth it. The risk is too high. We want everyone to, you know, be safe be healthy, and and be confident knowing that they will be those things when they come to any of our programs or services. So basically, go to the website. That's the best place to get all the information you need on all the programs and services that the YMCA of Northern BC offers. Absolutely. NBC.YMCA.ca. Great. Stephanie Dial, the Director of Communications and Philanthropy. Yes, I got it. For the YMCA (laughs) of Northern BC. Talk to you in about a month. Sounds great. Have a great day, everyone. Okay. We're going to take another quick break and be back with more after 9. The Prince George Community Foundation has awarded funding to five social purpose organizations throughout northern B.C. as part of the Government of Canada's Investment Readiness Program. The Dawson Creek Society for Community Living, Ecotrust Canada, the Potato House Project, the Valemount Learning Centre, and Seed the North, Inc. were granted funds. The second round of IRP funding will start on September 8th. For information about eligibility and other details, visit the Prince George Community Foundation website at pgcf.ca or through Community foundations.ca. As masks become part of our everyday lives, the Canadian Centre for Occupational Health and Safety reminds everyone that wearing a mask on its own does not prevent the spread of coronavirus. You also need to continue following other standard health and safety rules. Stay home if you are sick, practice physical distancing, wash your hands regularly, and avoid touching your face, mouth, nose, and eyes. Remember, while wearing a mask will help control the spread of COVID-19, it will not prevent it. The provincial government has allocated $3.5 million in emergency financial assistance for post-secondary students in B.C. The funding is to support domestic students experiencing an unexpected financial emergency that may affect their ability to finish their studies and handle expenses. This non-repayable assistance is to supplement existing student emergency financial funds. Local post-secondary students can access full details of the program and application process through the services link at cnc.bc or unbc.ca. Forecast from Environment Canada. A mix of sun and cloud today. A high of 19 with a high UV index. Tonight, partly cloudy. A 30% chance of showers overnight and a low of 9. For Wednesday, a mix of sun and cloud. A high of 19 with a high UV index. Keeping you up to date on current news and events in and around Prince George. This is After 9 on 93.1 CFIS-FM. 
And again, having a little bit of trouble getting through to our next guest. I will I will tell you, though, and I'm kind of hoping that she might be listening and can give us a call at uh, 250-562-2347. Uh, yesterday, Mani Hamagami, the executive director at Theatre Northwest, uh, had a press conference where they updated their uh, upcoming season. And I hear the phone ringing right now. This is amazing the way this is working today. Where as soon as we start talking about needing to get in touch with somebody, okay, and it is Marnie, so Steve's just going to get her connected so I can talk to her. And on the line now, as I was saying, with Marnie Hamagami, the Executive Director at Theatre Northwest. Good morning, Marnie. Good morning. How are you? Well, now that I've got you on the line, I'm feeling a lot better. <laughs> Sorry about that. No I problem. I couldn't quite get there quick enough. Yeah. Um, so, I guess... Before we get to what you're doing this season, maybe just let's just talk a bit about how you've gotten to this point that you were at yesterday where you were able to announce a couple of plays for next year. So how was the season going and for how was the season planning for this season going until <clears throat> March? Yeah, so it's it's pretty normal for for Theater Northwest to to be planning its season um, in you know December January and sort of finalizing everything in late January early February, which is um, what we've we've done. Um, uh, as as some people may know, Jack Grinhouse left us about a year ago, but he did leave us a season for this year, so we have tweaked it a little bit, but um, you know we. We have the season selected, and uh, then, of course, everything changed in March. Um, we had to cancel the final play of last year, and there were two presentations we had scheduled for May, which also needed to be canceled, along with uh, major fundraisers and some other events. And then, um, of course, that brings us to September, which <laughs> is the time we'd normally be starting um our first production of the year. Um, however, because in March and April and May, when we'd normally be getting our contracts in place, it wasn't possible to know what was happen- what was going to happen in September. Um, we made the decision, I would say, in you know, into the pandemic to to cancel the first half of the season. We felt that was the responsible thing to do. Um, given that we just didn't know how it was going to look in terms of bringing artists in from a different community into Prince George. Um, So that takes us to uh, sort of February, and, and, you know, standard flu season is Mm -hmm. January, February. So we we felt that it was um, safest to plan uh, for a March, April, well, the play will be April, May. Um, And, uh, of course... The most important thing, and the lens through which we're making all of our decisions right now, is the health of the community. We don't want to endanger the community unnecessarily, or our staff, or artists, or volunteers. So if we get to March, April, May, and we're still in phase three, and we've still got a limit of 50 people, and we're, we're still battling this thing, then, um, then of course, we, we won't go ahead with the season. Now, I think the other thing people need to understand is you say a limit of 50 people, which, of course, is the provincial guideline right now, but that doesn't mean 50 people in the audience, does it? 
No, it means 50 people in the building. So, mm. of course, if you have a play that has four or five artists and you have a stage manager and you have a couple of technicians in the booth um, and you have somebody in the front of house and you have a couple of ushers, I mean, that takes you down from your allowed 50 all the way down to your mid-40s in terms of ticket sales. And, of course, you know, artists and staff do like to be paid for their work. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's, it's, I, too, was surprised to learn that. <laughs> so, so we can't, of course, put on a play with only, even with 50 people in the audience, frankly, it wouldn't be wouldn't be viable for us to put on a performance. No, and the other thing is, like, your plays have very definite run schedules. You can't just hold a play over for month after month like you could with a movie. Exactly. And also a film already has, um, it doesn't have any live people taking up members. Mm -hmm. Plus a film has really wide distribution globally, whereas our play has a, a, you know, a slightly narrower um, (laughs) potential audience um, regionally. So there's there's just fewer opportunities to make ground um, if your house size is limited so drastically. And, of course, we understand why the house size is limited, and we want to be doing the things that make us all safe. So it's not... It's not so much an issue that the house size is small as it is an issue of community health. We, we want to contribute to that positively. So have you and other members of the executive at Theatre Northwest been talking with other theatre companies in BC and maybe even across Canada about what they're doing for, in the situation? Absolutely. I mean, one of the, one of the things that has changed um, greatly for me is the amount of contact I have with colleagues across the province and country. Um, It was not unusual pre-pandemic for us to be meeting, you know, a couple of times a month, maybe once provincially and once nationally. But um, with the pandemic, we were meeting almost on a weekly basis. Um, We all understand the importance of of health and safety for our communities and our artists and our staff and volunteers. So, you know, we're sharing a lot of best practices and we're, we're helping each other. We're trying to put the work on a national level so that no one small organization is um, is affected. Yeah. And, you know, you don't want to reinvent the wheel every time. So when you made the decision to cancel the first half of the season, so you were realizing, okay, we're going to have two plays this year. Were you at any point saying, can we find two one-actor plays that we can put on to at least get a few more people in the audience? <laughs> no, uh, we weren't. Uh, to be honest, um, the the cost of putting on a play is uh, is not represented by the artists mm. on stage. Um, the The bulk of the cost comes, uh, you know, in a variety of places, including designers and construction and the rehearsal period. Mm. So by the time your um, by the time the audience is seeing the production and you see the actor on stage or actors, um, you know, they're, of course, they're being paid and, and, and being paid fairly. However, that is their actual time on stage does not make up. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a very small amount of the, the global budget to put on the production. Do you know of any theater companies in B.C. or 
in Canada even that have gotten going again, or is everybody still very much in a holding pattern? Everybody is still very much in a holding pattern. There are several feeders in BC and across the country who are doing very small-scale productions and new play development. Um, I shouldn't say productions. They're doing new play development or stage readings Mm. where the actors don't move around the stage. They sit on a chair in a very specific spot and they read the script. Um, They read the script. And that is actually, it's a very interesting part of um, theater. It helps playwrights to understand the pacing of a production. It helps them to understand where dialogue might work on the page but is clunky or hard to get out um, verbally. So, I mean, there there are some theaters doing that kind of work. Um, and, of course, the, the regional impact of COVID is, I mean, it's different in every province, and not even in every province, but in every region, you know. Of course, what we're going through in Prince George looks very different than what's happening in Vancouver, and we're both in B.C. Mm-hmm. So, so it really depends where the organization is located, what they're, what they're able to do. But I'm not aware of any region in the country that is allowing productions yep. to happen. Okay, Marnie, we've got to take a quick break. When we come back, I want to talk about the plays that you do have on the schedule, and we'll do that after 9. Hope Air is Canada's only national charity providing free travel and accommodations for Canadians in financial need who must access medical care far from home. Since 1986, Hope Air has provided more than 150,000 travel arrangements, nearly 10,000 in the last 12 months alone. Check out their services and stories, as well as ways to give and get involved through their website, hopeair.ca, and sign up for their national newsletter. Helping Canadians reach vital medical care. Hope Air. Visit them at hopeair.ca. A new exhibit, Place, a nomadic gallery in British Columbia, is now open for viewing in the Rustad Galleria at Two Rivers Gallery. Place features works by four Francophone artists from B.C., visualizing the ideas of place, displacement, belonging, and making space. Two Rivers Gallery is open with COVID-19 restrictions in place from 11 to 5, Monday through Friday. Place, a nomadic gallery in British Columbia through September 20th at Two Rivers Gallery, where creativity flows in the Canada Games Plaza. Two Rivers Art Gallery is inviting kids to imagine their own biomorphic structure and have it included in a piece of art on display at the gallery. The structures will become a part of a larger painting created by local artist Linda Abbott. Pick up the supplies at Two Rivers Gallery, then create your piece of art and return it by the end of August. The end result will be on display from September 14th to the 30th, designing a biomorphic city as part of Kids Art Days at Two Rivers Art Gallery. The new circulation area at the Prince George Public Library is now open. Physical distancing protocols are in place with a limit of 20 visitors at a time. Services are also currently limited to borrowing and dropping off library materials and access is only available through the Civic Centre Rotunda. Be sure to check out the library's weekly programs available online at pgpl.ca. That's your public library, now open for limited service from 10 to 6, Monday through Saturday in the Canada Games Plaza. It's after nine on Prince George's Community Station, 93.1 CFIS FM. So, Marnie, obviously a very shortened Theatre Northwest season, and as I understand it, what was supposed to be the closer is now the opener. Yes, yeah. <laughs> um, we, 
we do normally have a play in uh, in April, May, and uh, we had scheduled a play called Mum's the Word, which is um, it's a story about well, it's a play about new and early motherhood. Uh, so it's it's six uh, women talking about. Um, Quite frankly, the hilarity uh, oh, oh. <laughs> of being a young mother or a new mother, I should say. Uh, I read the play um, about a year ago when we started talking about what we were going to do. And it was, uh, I mean, my husband came into the room to say, what are you laughing at? <laughs> <laughs> it was hilarious. It was on point. It was written by a group of women who were in the middle of um, that life experience. And, and they did a really hilarious job. So we're excited to, to present that. So it's the hilarity of early motherhood. It's hilarious if you're the person in the audience listening to the story. It probably wasn't quite as hilarious living through it. Well, I I mean, I think that it was. <laughs> <laughs> I certainly remember laughing at the whole situation as, as they were unfolding. I mean, of course, everybody has moments where they're, you know, at the limit, <laughs> but for the most part, there's a lot of laughter. Um, it, it, it's it's very well done. I'm I'm very excited to to present that to the community. And then we've sort of gotten spoiled, I guess you could say, in Prince George. You guys almost always put on a musical now as part of the season, and you've managed to do that again. Yeah, it's our. It, I think it'll be our third season in a row presenting a musical. Uh, this musical is called The Marvelous Wonderette. <laughs> it is different from the other two musicals, or three musicals, I guess, that we've done, um, in that it is not a biopic. So it is not, um, it's not based on a true story. Uh, so The Marvelous Wonderettes are a group of what's called song leaders from the 1950s. The, the play is set in the 1950s, and they were kind of like cheerleaders. Um, they sing, they dance, uh, and they are in, they're singing and dancing to music from that era. Wow. So um, I hope this doesn't come out wrong, but is there, much, is there a plot to it, or is it just basically them up on stage singing? No, there's a there's a storyline, and okay. it's about these. It's about a group of um, girls and women as they, you know, as they finish high school and then ten years later come back for a reunion. So they're they're sort of remembering their their time in high school. Okay, so now, when is that one going to run? By the way, that one is going to start in May and run into June. Wow! Now that's. It seems to me that's a that's a faster than usual turnaround, isn't it? Between the two productions, like the one ends early May and the other one starts kind of mid May. Yeah, it's um, it's a little bit closer than we normally do to each other. Um, there were a couple of reasons for that. One, we didn't want to um, we didn't want to start the first play any earlier, mm-hmm. um, and we didn't want to end the second play any later because. You know, in June and July, the weather starts to get nice and people head out to the lake and and camping and all of that kind of stuff. And then the other reason is, um, as we were considering community health, and and there are some artists that we will need to bring in from outside the community, mm-hmm. potentially a costume designer, potentially a, state, um, a set designer. And by putting them closer together, we're hoping that we can find one person willing to do both productions. 
Um, So, again, those details have not been finalized. And, you know, there are some some great talent in the north, and and we might be using some of those folks. So we'll, we'll see how it unfolds. Okay, now, so we got the two plays, Mom's the Word, with six mothers sharing their stories, and the musical, The Marvelous Wonderettes, which sounds like a girl group. Are there any male roles at all this year at Theatre Northwest? <laughs> Funny you should ask that. <laughs> um, there are men in The Marvelous Wonderettes mm-hmm. in the band, um, and last season, we didn't have any female roles. Oh. And nobody asked about that. Okay. Yeah. I'm just thinking so, back to last year because, of course, last year seems like so long ago now. I know. <laughs> it seems like a decade ago. <laughs> yeah, but nobody nobody caught on to that last year. It, oh. Neither season was on purpose. No. Um, it just happened to work out that way. I think I, I, I've misspoken. I think there was one female role last season. And we cast against type in another one and cast two women when they were supposed to be men. So there were three women on stage, but there was supposed to only be one. But again, that was not in any way intentional. In fact, it wasn't until after we had decided on both seasons that somebody pointed that out and we said, oh, (laughs) isn't that funny? So now, I guess the big question some people are probably asking now as well is, so you've announced what the plays are, we've got the dates. When are tickets going on sale, or are they already on sale? Uh, season passes are on sale, so if you're ready to, to do that, you can get them on our website, or uh, you can call our box office. Uh, the information is on the website. Um, and single tickets will go on sale later in the fall. Okay. And the other thing, because I believe you mentioned this at the media conference yesterday, is everything is still up in the air, though, isn't it? Absolutely. We um, we absolutely are going to be in compliance with all regional and provincial health mandates. We are not going to cowboy out and put on a play um, and endanger the health of all of the people in the production, as well as the community uh you know, if we get if we get to March, February, March, April, and um, things are the way they were last year, then of course we're not going to put on a play. No. Um, there's no question. But we are hoping that um, that as a as a community, as a country, we'll be able to be back in a position to be doing these things. Okay, so Marty, what is the website for people if they want more information or want to order their tickets online? How do they, where do they find you? Theaternorthwest.com. Boy, that's easy. Yeah. <laughs> so now you can, now you've, you've done the press conference, you've announced what the plays are, so now you get to relax for a while, right? Uh, well, okay. not okay. quite, yeah. No. <laughs> we'll definitely head back to work anyways. <laughs> <laughs> so, so now... I guess in a couple of months, then, from what you're saying, you're already going to be starting to plan for the 2021-2022 season. Yeah, that's uh, that's pretty normal for us. We've um, I've already been reading uh, a bunch of works mm-hmm. and and you know talking with with some colleagues across the country about about things that fit. So yeah, that's that happens this time of year. Now, is there a chance that the two plays? from this season that you had to cancel might show up next year or down the road? Uh, there is more than a chance. That oh. is currently the plan, yes. Okay. 
Great. Marnie Hamagami, the Executive Director at Theatre Northwest. Thanks very much for talking to us today about what the plans are. Thank you. Talk to you soon. Okay. That'll about do it for today's show, but I'll be back tomorrow after 9. After 9 is a daily presentation of CFIS-FM. After 9 is produced by Alan Wishart, Reg Fair, and Nathan Gita, with guest producer Neil Godbu of the Prince George Citizen. Additional contributors include CBC News and the National Campus and Community Radio Association. For a rebroadcast of today's program, check out the podcast link at cfisfm.ca. To provide feedback or suggestions for the show, please email cfisfm at yahoo.ca. This is Prince George's Community Station, 93.1 CFIS-FM. Proudly supported by local organizations like Les Cirques de Canadiens Français on 17th next to Fort George Park.